0: Good morning. Oh, I forgot my tall shoes today, and I look really short with his podium. (laughs) I'll come this way. Thank you. Um, Well, what an honor to share this morning. I'm really excited. Um, The new series that Pastor Ben is starting is going to be on identity, and he's letting me kick off with um, a message that is so dear to my heart and um, i'm going to be teaching on the song of songs or the song of solomon in the bible and i believe i'm going to teach in a way you've never heard before it's not a marriage teaching even though that would be really great but um just a revelation that the lord gave me some years ago on this and um, this book is actually like eight hours it's an eight-part teaching so i'm going to do just a very small intro to the Song of Songs, uh, it's on YouTube. If, if you like what you hear today, if the Lord is speaking to you, there's so much more that I don't have time to share this morning, but. Um, oh, is the series back there? On yeah. the cure wall? We'll okay, great. Okay, so who has ever read Song of Solomon or Song of Songs? Okay, uh, was anybody confused by it? Okay, Um, so Song of Songs is this amazing, tiny little book um, full of just wisdom. And it's actually a journey that the bride goes on. It's a journey of maturity and a journey with the Lord. And um, there is some main characters. I'm just going to tell you right now. There's the king and the king represents Jesus and there's the bride, the Shulamite, which represents us. Then there's friends of the bride and guardians, and we'll kind of get into that. But those two main characters you need to know. Um, Song of Songs is a melody sung from the heart of Jesus longing for his bride. You know, Jesus is not coming back for servants. He's coming back for a bride. Now for men, this is gonna be a weird teaching for you. (laughs) But you know what? Most of the Bible is so masculine, and us women just, you know, we can change it in our mind. So, men, I just want to tell you something. I don't know why it's a bride and it's a feminine thing, but God is spirit. He's not male or female. He is spirit. So when I'm talking, you got to put your prophetic eyes on that I'm talking about bride. I'm talking about the deepest type of covenant relationship that god wants with us and that cannot happen in the flesh marriage on earth is the closest type of covenant but it does not come close to the covenant we have with god and it has to be received in the spiritual realm so when i say bride men just think spirit okay don't get closed off and close your heart and then you can't receive um So Jesus is coming back for a bride, not for servants. He has myriads of angels to do whatever he wants. We serve a relational God. He loves relationship. He loves intimacy, and he wants to be close to us. That is his heart. He doesn't want us just to go do what he needs done. He has angels for that. He wants relationship. But out of relationship, we do things for one another, right? But relationship is first. So, Um, you know, in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, and and, um it talks about how the Holy Spirit was given in the Passion Translation, it says the Holy Spirit was given as an engagement ring. It's like the promise of things to come. So he is given, he's deposited into us and said, Jesus said, right, I'm gonna be back. He's coming back for us. I I cannot wait for the Lord to come back. And Ben was talking about how um, you know, (laughs) I would say, even especially last year, there were some times I'm just going to be vulnerable. There were some pretty dark times that I was like, okay, Lord, now's a good time. I'm ready for you to come back. But it, <laughs> we can put more faith in the second coming of Jesus than the resurrection power that is within us. He's given us everything we need to change this world and do what we're called to do. And it is the easy way out, like it's the easy way out. I wanna go to heaven. There's some days where I'm like, I'm done. But we're called to endure and keep teaching the good news until he comes back. And you know what, he's not satisfied. There's a lot of people that need to know him. He wants all of his kids saved, but I'm getting sidetracked there. But the Holy Spirit was given as an engagement ring or as a promise. And that's a pretty hefty engagement ring, the Spirit of God. For the bride and that he is coming back okay um, I just want to tell you that there is more commentaries on the book of song and songs the first 500 years after Jesus's ascension than any other book in the Bible there are more commentaries on this little book the first 500 years why do I say that the disciples the apostles they taught so much out of this book This was like foundational for the first church in the beginning. And there was very little religion in the beginning. It was based on relationship. Um, So this book is so powerful because it's the revelation of God's heartbeat um, towards us. And when we understand, this book is the book of love. You guys know that. It's the book of love. And when we understand how loved we are, it shields our heart from religion. And when I say religion, I'm talking about performance-based, works-based serving God versus relationship. So when we understand how loved we are, and, how, and that relationship, then we serve God through relationship, and that's what he wants. But when we don't understand how loved we are, then we will continually try to earn God's love or pay back salvation. We cannot pay it back. He doesn't want us to pay it back. Jesus fully paid. He overpaid, like I talked last week. He overpaid, and he just wants relationship with us, and so that's why this book is so important. Um, okay, something else before we go through this book that you need to know. The, um, the Bible, most of you know, was originally written in Hebrews. Well, the Old Testament is Hebrews and the New Testament is Greek. In the Hebrew language, there is a lot of homonyms. And homonyms mean it's the same word. It can be spelled the same or spelled differently, but it has a different meaning. Right? An example is the sun in the sky and a sun. It's spelled different. It has totally different meanings, but it sounds the same. So when they're translating the Bible, they can have a a Hebrew word, but then there's 10 different definitions. So which one do they choose? So um, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation because Brian Simmons took the Song of Songs and used the Hebrew words that goes along with God's heart. Now, Can there be great marriage stuff in Song of Solomon, in Song of Songs? Sure. But nothing compares to the love of Jesus Christ with his bride. And so that's what I'm going to be focusing on this morning. So uh, let's start. If you have your Bible, you can open up, or you can just listen um, to me while I read it. So Song of Songs opens up with verse 1. It says, the most amazing song of all by King Solomon. And another translation says, the most amazing love song. And so, um, you know, there's no love story on earth that will ever compare to the love story of Jesus Christ dying for us. A lot of people say this is, you know, King Solomon falling in love with a Shulamite. And that is true. He fell in love with her and he thought it was the most amazing love he had ever found. But I do not believe that was the greatest love of all because... For some of you know that King Solomon had like 700 wives and 400 concubines. I am not convinced this was the greatest love of all. <laughs> if my husband had 700 wives and 400 concubines and then said, I'm the greatest one, I'd be like, yeah, prove it. <laughs> so King Solomon might have been in love. I, I don't know. We can talk to him in heaven. But the greatest love song ever written was Jesus Christ to us. And so we're going to go along those paths. Sorry, King Solomon. Um, So this is a love letter to us truly from God's heart. We are constantly putting expectations on people to fulfill what only God can satisfy. There is such, we are all created with, you know, I was taught as a kid, a whole, In our soul, whole in our spirit, that can only be filled with God. And I don't know really what that looks like, but that is true. There is something in us that only God can satisfy. Until we find God, we will try everything to satisfy us. And usually it's the people around us we put expectations on to fulfill that longing. But it will never be filled except for when we truly know how loved we are. It's in knowing how loved we are. God can love all day long, but it's the revelation of understanding. And and here's the thing. I'm giving knowledge today. I'm praying that it hits you like revelation, knowledge in your heart. But, you know, we hear things all the time. I want to explain this to you because we hear things all the time, and that's knowledge. But until it hits our heart and the Holy Spirit makes it alive, that's revelation. And nobody can give you revelation. It's only the Holy Spirit. So as I'm giving knowledge, if you would open your heart and say, okay, God, make this real to me. Let me experience that baptism of your love that I fully understand how loved I am. Song, songs. Okay, now verse 2. It says, "Um, let him kiss me, smother me with the kisses, your spirit divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest of wines. Okay, let me go over this with you. (laughs) Song of Songs 1-2, the bride is crying out for an encounter with the Lord. She says, let him kiss me. Let him kiss me. She's saying, I am going to posture myself in in a state of humbleness that I'm going to receive from him. What does religion say? You get saved and do, 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 right? What can you do for God? Because you owe him everything. You owe him everything. But this starts out with the greatest love song ever sung, let him kiss me. Let him encounter my heart. I have nothing to give until I receive. And so she's saying, let him. And that kiss me in the Hebrew means nashak. And nashak means yes. There is the meaning of a gentle caress and touch, but the second meaning I think you're going to like better. Nashak means to be equipped for war. Let him encounter me so much with his love that I am prepared for anything the enemy tries to bring my way. So she knew I, I am nothing until I first encounter the love of God. And we're talking about Identity who we are, what we're, who we're, um, our identity comes from him and his love. And so this is not a physical request, but a poetic longing for a kiss of revelation from Jesus. She's saying, I don't get this. You're calling me beautiful. You're calling me your bride. And now in the, in the story, King Solomon is the king. He is the most famous king. He's the wisest king. I mean, Um, kings and queens from afar would come and just sit in his presence. And here is a Shulamite woman who's a no-name, a nobody, and he falls in love with her. What a picture of us. She has no identity, no family. I mean, as we read, her family's dysfunctional. I mean, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong, and he said, I choose you. That is every single one of us with Jesus. Where we have no name, he gives us a name. We have no identity, and he gives us identity. And he said, you are mine. You are mine. Would you just let me kiss you? Would you let me give a revelation of how much I love you? It is going to equip you for the rest of your life. Religion does not equip us. Religion exhausts us. It puts shame on us. But God's love, a revelation of God's love, man, we will be a powerful bride and change this world. When we walk in religion, we put that on other people. When we walk in love, we put that on other people. And that's how God wants us to represent him. Um, I love this um, kiss of revelation, this Nashok. That kiss also is the same word when he when he breathed life into Adam and also when Jesus breathed on his disciples and gave the Holy Spirit. But I was thinking this morning, this neshach, this kiss of revelation of his love is also in Ephesians. If you turn with me to um, Ephesians 3, I just want to read this really quick because this is so powerful. Ephesians 3, and I'm going to start with verse... Well, let me just start with verse 18. No, I'm going to start with 16. Okay, Ephesians 3, 16. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will become more and more at home in your heart as you trust him. Okay, now listen to this. May your roots go deep down in the soil of God's marvelous love. Where should our roots go down? In God's love. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep, his love really is. Now, what is this saying? Paul is saying, I am praying you get a revelation of this. You, you've got to get a revelation of this. That your, deep, your roots would go so deep in God's love that you would begin to understand how wide, how long, how deep, how far God's love is for you. This is what he's praying over the church of Ephesus. And he says that you may experience the love of God. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Where does power come from? Understanding how much he loves us. When we understand how much, and it's a revelation from the Holy Spirit, when we understand we are filled up with the fullness of life, And the power of God can come forth. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. You know, um, men, I'm going to put this in for you so you feel really good right now. (laughs) You know, King David was a mighty warrior, right? I mean, he was a man's man. He was a mighty warrior. But he was a lover of God. Was he not a lover of God? And I, I don't think that King David was as brave as he, as much as he was loved. I just think King David so knew his identity. I I feel like his roots went so deep in God that through that he was brave. God's love makes us brave and equips us for war, makes us mighty because we're so secure in him. We feel like we can do anything. We're so connected to him that we just feel him. You know, we're supposed to be one with Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 says, when we become born again, we are one with God. I mean, that sounds like heresy. Why would God want to be so close to us? But he loves us so much. We are one with him. When we start to understand that, Paul is saying, just wait and see the power that comes through you. And, and David saw some mighty things. So, men, that was for you. God's kisses are revelations of his love that prepares us for war. It's an impartation. And 1 Peter 4.8 says, love conquers all. What conquers all? Love. And, and it's not our love. It's God's love in us that can conquer anything in our lives. We need constant kisses of God's revelation of his love to overcome the battles in front of us. Before we can ever grow into maturity in the kingdom of God, our identity needs to be secure. Our identity comes from being fully confident in his love for us. It's not on our abilities, it's not on our gifts and talents, it's not on what we accomplish. If we're fully secure on God's love for us, that, will start maturing us. There's rejection around us all day long, but when we are loved and we're confident, we can overlook offenses and love well. You know, the most mature believers are the ones that are so secure in the Lord. That means that people want can say all kinds of things about you, it doesn't ruffle your feathers, it doesn't get you down, because you're so full of God and you know who you are, you can turn into compassion over them. But you know, when somebody says a comment and you get offended, okay, don't be mad. It's usually because there's a root of belief in it in your own heart. And I'm saying that from experience. My husband can say whatever and I'm fine, but if there's a lie that I'm believing and somebody around me says something and I'm already believing the lie, what happens? I'm offended because I know it's true. I believe it's true. But if you don't believe it and somebody says something, it's like somebody saying, Kara, you have red hair, right? Like, okay. (laughs) It doesn't affect me because I know I don't have red hair. Does that make sense? But when God's love is so full in our heart, it doesn't matter. This is why the disciples, it's like they're being persecuted, they're being mocked. Jesus Christ is being spit on, being mocked, and he's so confident of God's love. He says, Father, forgive him. He knew none of that was true. So instead of being offended, he could just pour out love and forgiveness. And that's what God wants for us because there's mean people. We know that there's mean people in this world, and it's because they're hurting. They're hurting, and they don't need us to be mean back. We don't repay evil for evil. But when a bride is confident and secure, and I'm deeply rooted in God's love, bring it on. Because I'm going to lavish goodness and forgiveness and mercy and kindness where you've been mean. And you know what that does? It starts shifting the heart, the hardest heart, and it makes the enemy so mad. He loves to see us offended, especially among the brethren. He loves to see us offended because when we're offended and we're divided, we can't get much accomplished, right? And we're one body. Um, the love of a spouse, a parent, a friend, a sibling, a child can never replace what God intended to fulfill in our hearts. The best relationships are two people who are so confident in God's love. Oh, the best marriages is when two people are constantly getting filled up by the Lord. It's just so, so much healthier than trying to fill each other up. An insecure bride is an immature bride. An insecure bride is easily offended and jealous of others, intimidated by people and the enemy, and don't, they don't love well. And the thing is that until we have a revelation of God's love, we don't even believe the word. Like the word is what renews our mind. So, you know, was like, just get in the word, get in the word. And, and I'm, I, I love the word. Yes, get in the word. But if you have a skewed perception of who Jesus is or Father God is, it's going to be really hard to even receive the word. But when you know how loved you are and when you read the word, it's just that healing bomb that comes and heals our heart and it matures us. How many people have been reading the Bible for years and years and years and have never changed? It's because they don't have the revelation of how loved they are. And so they get the word and try to do works, trying to change themselves. Um, The Holy Spirit is the only one that can change us. Even reading the word, it takes you and the Holy Spirit to get revelation. You try to read the Bible without the Holy Spirit, it's dead works. I'm not saying the Bible's dead works. I'm saying the Holy Spirit brings life and gives us a revelation of the word of God because he wants to participate. He loves relationship. You know, God didn't say, okay, here's the Bible. See you later. He said, no, I'm going to come live in you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. It's going to be an engagement ring. We're going to do life together, and we're going to mature you to the to a pure and spotless bride. In Revelations 21 and 22 or tw- chapter 20, 21, something like that, John gets a revelation Uh, of, um, you know, of what's coming. And John sees the bride. He gets a glimpse of the future of the bride, and it's, it's the spotless, pure bride. It's us. And John is so taken back, he can hardly contain how beautiful the bride is. And Jesus said, This is who I died for. This is how I see my bride. This is what I'm coming back for and gives a glimpse of us in heaven and what what is going on. And the bride was so beautiful. And when God sees us, he sees the future bride. He sees our spirit and how he's perfected us. You know, it hurts my heart when people talk bad about the church. Because the church is God's bride, is Jesus' bride. And he, he died for us. Sure, part of the bride is pretty wounded, I know, but we're not staying there. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride, and that is a promise, and that, that work is going to be done by the Holy Spirit. We're going through a journey of the bride of Song of Songs because it's a prophetic picture of our relationship, what our relationship with Jesus should be like. We all start immature, but we see how the king's constant reassurance of his loves transforms her inside out. Okay, so as we go through the journey, each chapter is just a huge transition in the bride's life. The first chapter, I mean, she's like, I'm dark, I'm ugly, I'm weak, I'm immature. I mean, just look at me. I'm just a mess. I'm just a hot mess. And the king doesn't say, yeah, we're going to fix you. Yeah, we need to work on that. He constantly says, no, you're beautiful. No, you're loved. And he keeps just giving her identity. Not one time does he say, change this and change this. Not one time. Every time she speaks a lie of herself, he says, no, this is how I see you. This is who you are. This is what I've called you to do. And so the whole first chapter, he's healing her heart. He's reassuring her of identity and who she is. Before she can do anything, he's getting this relationship set. So as I read, it says, smother me with kisses. His spirit kisses divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them like the sweetest wine. We let him, we yield our hearts and let him do the perfect work in us. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Psalms 138, 8 says, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O God, is everlasting do not forsake the work of your hands. 1 Corinthians 1 8 says, You will sustain me to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, he will sustain you till the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're yielding. It's all about yielding our hearts to the Holy Spirit to do the work inside of us. We can't change ourselves, we can't change others. But as we yield ourselves to the love of God, that is what's going to transform our heart, and that's what's going to mature us. God says, you belong, and because you belong and your identity set, you're going to start believing right, and because you start believing right, you're just going to naturally start behaving correctly. But religion says, first of all, you start behaving, and when you start behaving and you start believing right, then you'll belong. But if you start acting up, you're out of here. It's so conditional. But Jesus says, you belong, you belong. If you never do anything for me, you're my child and you belong. But just out of that truly understanding how loved you are, you start believing. And because you believe right, you start behaving right. Sin becomes no problem in your life because you're so full of the love of God. But, you know, it scares people. So they want to do religion and, like, behave, behave. Let's all behave. Let's all behave. And let's all believe. And then we belong. And God's like, that's not my way. It's always identity. You belong to me. No matter what you do, you belong to me. It's so powerful, and it gives security. There's no fear. That's why he says, we can boldly come to the throne room. Why? Because I'm so loved. On my worst day, in my worst sin, I can boldly come because it's not by works. It's because what Jesus did, and I belong. And my answer's there anyways, right? I need him. It says, so kind are your caresses of love. This love in the Hebrew speaks of Many different loves. It's plural. And it means saving love, keeping love, forgiving love, and embracing love. And it says, I drink them like the sweetest of wines. You know, in John 7 37, Jesus says, All who are thirsty come to me and drink. There's a lot of prophetic sayings about drinking in the Bible, and it's taking in. It's drinking of Jesus and drinking that wine. The wine represents the Holy Spirit. And we can drink every single day of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we need to. Expert drinkers of the Holy Spirit. And if we get drunk every once in a while in the Holy Spirit, great. You know, the disciples were drunk at nine o'clock in the morning and they were full of joy and transformed a whole city. We need to get a little drunk in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We're so full of religion and shame and condemnation. It's like we've got to get that out and fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. First Peter 1.8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. That's us. We haven't seen him, but we love him. It's the purest form of faith. And even though you don't see him now, you believe him, and you are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. Here's the thing. When we know how loved we are, fear is conquered, and shame is dismantled in our lives. When we know how loved we are, fear is conquered. We sing that. I'm no longer a slave of fear, and shame is dismantled in our lives. You know, I was listening to um, a psychologist just this weekend, and a psychologist was saying that 80% of people dealing with anxiety and depression, 80% is rooted in shame, that if people would just get set free of shame, 80% of their patients would be cured. And people dealing with um, OCD and perfectionism and that kind of stuff is also rooted in shame. Man, more than half our problems would go away if we just knew how loved we are. <laughs> and fear just goes. There's no fear. King David was fearless. I mean, a young kid running to a, a giant... I mean, that's supernatural. I mean, he was so confident in the love of God. That is not bravery. That is somebody well loved by the Lord. And he knew he could depend on his Father God to back him up. When I am well loved, when I, yeah, when I love, I'm sorry, I love well when I am loved. We love well when we're loved. Now, we can love in performance and say the right thing and do the right thing because, you know, Christians are supposed to love and we can all put on our happy face and love at a surface level. I'm talking about in our homes, in our marriages, with our kids, when nobody's looking. The deep love, the real love, right? Those covenant relationships when you've been through stuff, And you're saying, I'm sticking through this, and I love you. That kind of loving well. I mean, who doesn't love well at church on Sunday morning? We all love each other. We hug. You know, (laughs) it's real easy to do that. (laughs) What about day in and day out living with each other and our quirks and our inadequacies? Loving well then. That takes knowing how loved we are by God to supernaturally love our kids, our spouses, family members, (laughs) you know. Okay, I'm on verse three of this whole chapter. (laughs) And I gotta wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, okay, we got done with wine. We're moving on. Verse 3, your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing, over and over poured out. Your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides-to-be adore you. Draw me into your heart and lead me out. We'll run away together into your cloud-filled chamber. Right there, that chamber is talking about the Holy of Holies. She's saying just in your presence. It just feels so good to be in your presence. Can we run away together in your chambers? Um, Psalm 1611 says, in the presence, in your presence, Lord, is joy and pleasures at your right hand. Psalms 457, it says, Jesus was anointed above every other person with the oil of joy. That you know what that's saying? Out of every human being, Jesus was the funnest, most joyful person that ever existed. More than anybody, he had the oil of joy. He was fun to be around. And he is still very fun to be around. He's fun. His presence is fun. This is why we laugh and we can be carefree and, and laugh in his presence. And there's just so many different emotions in the presence of God because there's joy in the presence of God. And he said there's pleasures at his right hand. He knows our heart's longing. He knows what satisfies us, and he has it all, and he loves to see a bride that's satisfied. You know, just in marriage, in a good marriage, my husband loves when I'm happy, right? What's the saying? Happy wife, happy life, right? Is it not true, men? But that is the same with the Lord. He loves a happy bride. I was reading um, in a book, it said, when we are most satisfied in God, I think it was John Piper, when we're most satisfied in God It was so good. <laughs> All right, let me think about that. It was a really good saying, but I can't remember. Um, no, but it, we basically it was saying we, we represent him the best when we're most satisfied in him. But he said it way better than that. <laughs> we represent him so well when we're just so satisfied in him. Okay, then it goes on. And... Um, It's talking about um, she speaks again, and, you know, she's spending this time with God, and then again, she's like, I just feel so um, unworthy. I feel so um, dark. I'm dark. I'm unworthy. She's just saying all of these excuses why the king should not choose her. And he goes again, and he just responds, no. In verse 5, he says, you are lovely. You're like a fine linen tapestry hanging in the Holy of Holies. And what this is talking about is all of heaven stands in awe of the bride of God. Angels can't wrap their head around why God would choose human beings, put his Holy Spirit in us, and that some of us don't really believe it. They're thinking, don't you get it? You are the only creature on earth made in the image and likeness of God. And then he'll even step it up, and it comes and lives in you, and you don't believe it? So all of heaven is watching us. This is the bride. This is the one Jesus died for. Look at him. Look at him. I can't believe it. And so when he's saying, you're saying you're dark. You're saying you're unwanted. Everybody in the spiritual realm, the demons are scared of you, and angels stand in awe of you. The status I have given you. We are seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And it seems like everybody knows that but us. You know? It's like the angel's like, I'm going to help you out. But one day you're going to be telling me what to do. Like, you know, step it up. And it's because we don't understand how loved we are and really what Jesus accomplished at the cross. Um. So he says, you know, you're so lovely. He never, he never um, uh, belittles her. He never says, gosh, won't you just get it? Like even through all eight chapters, every time she has an insecure moment, he never gets frustrated like, ah, I've told you you're beautiful. Just get it. He just keeps reassuring her, keeps reassuring her. And I don't have time to finish today and uh, maybe I'll teach the next part soon, but she goes on a journey. She, she goes on a journey. She gets hurt in church. She, um, she goes through a season where she can't hear God's voice. She goes through so many different seasons, and you just see God walk her through each season. It's, it's so beautiful. And the reason why I love this is because we get to learn God's heart. We all assume what God will do. We all make up stories of what God does. Oh, God must be disappointed. Oh, God must be this. But we learn God's heart. He is so gentle and so kind and so loving and so patient. And the very end of the book, she is raising up new brides. She has become a strong spiritual mother, spiritual father, raising up, and she pulls God, and she says, God, look at them. Look what they're doing, and she's bragging on others. She's so mature and so confident that now she is raising up the next generation. This is what the love of God does in our hearts. Um, Towards the end of the chapter, she says, um, you know, my vineyard, my vineyard becomes, um, let me just find it. I just want to read this last part. Song uh, Psalm 1-6. Um, she talks about my vineyard's been unkept. You know, it's a mess. And the vineyard is her heart. She's saying, I, I've let weeds come up. I've let disappointments come up. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with this. And God's like, okay, let's deal with your heart. And um, he helps her heal her heart because that's in our soul. You know, our spirit is brand new when we get born again, brand new. That is, um, you know, we're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. That's in our spirit. But we still have our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions that we're renewing. In the first chapter, she feels so safe to give her heart to the Lord. And she's like, it's a little messy. (laughs) Don't look at all the weeds, but what are we going to do about it? And he's like, we got it. Let's just start pulling out these weeds. But a lot of times because religion is like, don't let it come up. Don't let anybody see my heart. I might not belong anymore, right? I might be judged. And so what happens? We go through all eight chapters, our whole season, and we've done nothing for the Lord because we're so insecure of our past or anything that we don't let any healing take place. But she's so secure. Even in the first chapter, she's so secure in God's love. She's like, all right, I guess we need to deal with this. You know, we still want to fix each other, but if we would just love each other and show God's love, we will want to self-fix ourselves, and that's the best. It is the best when our kids want to fix themselves, when our spouses, when the people around us that we don't point it out, but they're like, oh, yeah, maybe I should deal with this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Okay. Okay. I missed that, but it sounded funny. <laughs> our hearts are our responsibility, but as we let Him into our hearts and help do the pruning and get us ready, and you know, um, well, Proverbs four twenty three says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything from it, from uh, everything from life flows from our heart. And so she deals with it with the garden, and God um, tells her, that was so good. Let me just say this real quick. (laughs) In verse 8, it says, listen, my radiant one. If you ever lose sight in me, just follow my footsteps. I will lead you where I take my lovers. Come with your burdens and your cares. Come to a place near. The sanctuary of my shepherds, you will find me. My dearest one, let me just tell you how I see you. So she, she's like, look at my garden. It's a mess. My vineyard, I haven't tended to it. She talks about, you know, there was a problem with the brothers. The brothers did this. So there's relationship problems. Our heart's not doing good. He said, come, come with me, radiant one. Let me just tell you. He said, come with all your burdens and cares. Psalms 55:22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. For he will never let the righteous be shaken. Then he said, dearest one, this is verse nine. Let me tell you how I see you. So she's probably thinking, okay, are you going to rebuke me now? Now you've seen my heart. Now you really know what's going on. He said, you are so thrilling to me. You are so thrilling to me because God sees our spirit. He sees us perfect. He sees us beautiful. He sees what his son has accomplished. We're overqualified. We're fully accepted. And he loves us so much. And he keeps telling her. And he goes on. He says, I see you so strong and regal. You are like one of the greatest chariots. And it's an illustration of like the chariots of that time that were so strong and made of steel and could carry so much. And he is, you know, he is um, comparing her to that. I mean, in the natural, for us women, that doesn't sound very romantic. But it's talking about God's heart and how he sees us. You're so strong. You're so regal. You're thrilling to me. You're beautiful. You are loved. The whole chapter of Song of Songs, the first chapter, Jesus is wooing her and filling in every insecure place. He's giving her identity. You're mine. You belong to me. He he, he, He asked her to do nothing but just receive. God just wants us to receive. Now, I know the religious spirit is like, wait, 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 wait. We got to do our part. Yes, I know. Faith without works is dead. We get it. But there's no faith without us truly knowing who God is. You know, it takes God to love God. (laughs) You know, you get into church like, love God, love God, love God. You're like, okay, but how? You know, you're so, you don't even love yourself. And they're telling you to love somebody you don't see. But what about just receiving God's love and then through that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. It works out so much better that way. When you experience his love, you cannot help but love him. You don't want to sin. You don't want to struggle. You want to please his heart because you feel so loved. We've had it backwards. Love God, serve God, do this, do this. And in the flesh, it's impossible. It takes God to love God. It takes God's love to love him. He loved us first. He called us first. And out of that, man, we can become so powerful. The bride's song in chapter um, 1 is, I'm so weak, I'm so worthy, I'm so dark. But in chapter two, which I'm not getting there, I'm closing up right now, but this is so powerful. In chapter two, the very first verse, her whole identity is shifted. She calls out and she says, I am his rose, the very theme of his song. She is so confident. She comes out of chapter two as a whole new person. She said, I'm his rose. I'm his favorite one. And she starts walking in that identity, and we get to see maturity happening in the people that are affected by her love. It's so powerful. You know, we're going to be, Ben's going to be continuing on on identity. You can stand with me. We'll pray. We have to know how loved we are by the Lord. It's a baptism. It's a revelation that only he can give us. And when we know how secure we are, when we know how loved we are, we can do great things for the Lord. It makes us fearless to do great things. You know, the Lord is coming back. He's coming back soon. What does that mean? I don't know. He can come back tomorrow or a 1,000 years. But it's soon because Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. And I want to be a warrior bride. I want to do great exploits. I want to love well. Some of the greatest exploits we can do on earth is loving people well. (laughs) We always think about these big destinies and these big things. What about just loving each other well? Because when we love, great things happen. We are healed by love. And we can't love until we know how loved we are. So I'm going to close. I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit will make this uh, message today revelation truth to your heart, because it's just knowledge right now until it hits your heart. So, God, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you that we belong. We belong because we just believe in you, God. And we say this morning, if you say this morning, You're going to let him kiss you. You're going to let him shock you. You're going to let him fill you up this morning. Would you just raise your hands and just receive, just surrender? It's just yielding our hearts to let him do the work. The bride was like, okay, I'm just going to receive. I'm just going to receive. I'm firing myself, and I'm going to receive from the Holy Spirit. So, God, we fire ourselves. We step out of religion, we step out of shame, we step out of fear and we surrender. Lord, would you shock us this morning? Would you fill us up with so much love that we are equipped for the battle ahead of us? Just the battle of living on this earth. (laughs) We are so equipped. Holy Spirit, we drink of you this morning. We say we're thirsty. Hydrate us with your love and your power. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, fill us with joy. I say that we will be the happiest people on earth. Our joy is contagious. People are like, what's wrong with you? Why are you always smiling? Because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Jesus was anointed above the rest, and we are one with him. So we are anointed above the rest with the oil of joy. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.